0: Live from the heartland And the crossroads of America It's Tony Katz today I was very happy to see the override Of Mike DeWine The governor of Ohio I also want to say for the record That the governor of Ohio Is a fool That you would Veto legislation that protects children from these butchers who want to engage in sex change operations and in mutilation because a nine-year-old claims that they're a boy when they're really a girl, claims is not medical. And this idea of, well, we have to do whatever the children say, it's for their health and safety and obscenity. So you had the house in Ohio Pushed this legislation through and it, it, it got uh, it got vetoed by by the by the governor. Now what's really weird is is that the house overrides it, but it still has to go to the senate for a final vote. I I think that's weird. It it is it is weird to me. Or are they saying that it's it's the senate has to override the veto as well? Is that what they're saying? Maybe that's what they're saying. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. I thought somehow maybe it went to the House, then it goes to the governor's desk, and then they veto, and then the House overrides, and now it goes to the Senate for a vote. That seems strange to me. Like, that's not a, that's not a system at all. The story here is the override. And the positioning from Mike DeWine. This bad positioning, and this happens to Republicans who refuse to be strong. Somehow they think that if they're too cute by half, they can be liked. They haven't learned that no, 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 you can't. And when it comes to protecting children from butchers and barbarians and mutilators, you do not try to find common ground. You beat these people until they lose, and then... You do it again. He said, signing this legislation, so this is on December 29th when he engaged the veto, signing the, the legislation, what I'm quoting, be saying that the government knows better what is medically best for the child than the two people who love that child the most, the parents you have not clearly seen the amount of pressure that is put on parents to go along with these things. You're sometimes doing the parents a great service by offering them protections. And secondly, we don't allow the abuse of children. If you had parents beating their kid and then said, whoa, 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 whoa. don't get angry, don't get angry. Yeah, we used a closed fist. Yeah, we use a billy club. Yeah, he's got some bruises. Yeah, we broke his collarbone, but... It was for his own good. Who would buy into this? What society would accept this? It's a nonsensical statement. And that's exactly what the governor of Ohio put out. A nonsensical statement. What was super weird was that after he vetoed this, he offered up an executive order not allowing these kinds of surgeries. Why did you, what was the, what, what were you doing? Why did you have to do one, not the other? Very strange. Now, this is 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 not done yet. Right um the, the the legislation would also uh bar male athletes from competing in women's sports which of course should happen without question. Uh you should men cannot compete in women's sports. I don't care what they claim. Reality is reality and it's our job to stay in it at all times. This might be an issue regarding Ohio issue 1 which is now part of the constitution there, the right to make reproduct- reproductive decisions, including abortion initiative. And um, people can decide, uh, you know, you can't have any limits on abortion if it makes someone feel bad, right? Like it, it, it's, it's, this, it's this radical um, type of, of, of legislation that passed with 57% of, of the vote it's, it's really, really awful stuff. Uh, the right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions. Well, reproductive decisions could also include these types of surgeries. So there is a question now as to whether the Ohio issue one, this amendment, actually would render legislation like this moot. So Ohio voted not to protect children Could be the de facto answer. It's because reproductive decisions would involve changes to the body, would it not? You see how this works? You see how this sickening, slippery slope works? And it is sickening. And we should say so. We should say so with clarity. Oh, Ohio screwed the pooch. Which I guess maybe they'd be good with as well. I don't know. I have no idea where those Ohio laws go. But I'm glad they did override the wine. Now I'm hoping this actually becomes law. This is Tony Katz today. The big story is a lot of big name NFL firings. I'm talking about big names and some of these make no sense at all, but nothing lasts forever. But Underneath it, uh, there's a story about IU basketball, which is not great basketball, and someone's got to answer the question as to why. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. JMV joins us. He is the voice of sports in Indiana and nationwide. May I add? You know, IU is getting ready for the game uh, against uh, Purdue. Don't get me wrong, but you take a look just the other day, uh, losing uh, to to Rutgers. Uh, you're speaking by Ohio State. You're losing to Nebraska. Um, what exactly? And and you can tell me I'm wrong. There's nothing wrong with this team. What exactly is wrong with this team?
1: Oh, uh, it's not. It uh, has talent, but it's not cohesive enough, and it doesn't have. Tony, the level of talent where it, it really is missing it, and that is in the backcourt. And Mike Woodson had hoped that not going into the transfer portal and bringing in guard play, which you can't do nowadays at college basketball, not doing that was was going to be okay considering uh, Xavier Johnson, their guard, wanted to and then got cleared by the NCAA to come back for a six year. But frankly, that hasn't worked out johnson's been injured oftentimes and then very still at 24 immature acting and not good enough on the floor to really back up wanting to deal with um what he provides off the floor or what he has in three different instances and it's just a a mismatched collection that most of the time doesn't look like it's getting any better and that's been part of the issue overall with Mike Woodson's tenure so far down in Bloomington. You know, you want to see these guys coached up. You want to see these guys evolve and get better. And even though, you know, he, he kind of stabilized things after Archie Miller and everybody felt good about it because he had the Indiana connection and he played for Bob, Knight and all that the coaching and the getting better. Um, hasn't really gotten better. They got to the postseason, obviously the NCAA tournament won a game last year, but you kind of see them regressing right now. Talented bunch, but certainly a bunch that hasn't come together. And when you're the coach of IU, Mike Woodson, whomever, that's going to fall on your shoulders. And he's taking some heat for it right now.
0: But doesn't he get to say, "Hey, we're eleven and five. Can everybody just calm down a minute? You can't say that because it seems to me he can't. Um, no,
1: probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, I use different. I mean, I use always going to be different uh, because people just view it you know, as one of those blue blood programs where you expect more out of it. I mean, if it were, yeah, if it were your average, you know, if it were Wisconsin or Minnesota or somebody in the Big Ten, nobody probably would really care. You'd probably be really happy with what your team was doing right now, but this is different. This is IU, and you also have to factor in, Tony, that when Mike got the gig, it was like, oh, well, you know, finally with Scott Dolson of the AD, they go out and they get a, a former night guy, And, you know, you get an IU guy and all is going to be right. And while he has done some things right and, Tony, he does recruit, he's got good players in there. It's just not been so far up to what people expect. And when you have a downturn as they're going through and and you went the other night at Rutgers in a really ugly game for a program like IU, unlike others, there's going to be a lot of fallout for that. And that's exactly what we've seen.
0: Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, is the story here that the expectation for success is too great and is demanded too quickly, and to build a program, you actually have to build it? I, I, I know, uh, for example, uh, the 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 new coach of the Indy 11, which is the professional soccer team we have in Indianapolis. I happen to be a huge soccer guy and a huge fan. His point was, you don't wait to rebuild. Rebuild is... It, we're having success right now. Day one, we expect success. But in reality, doesn't it take time on this level, especially when you're talking about how you build and then build recruits and grow it out? Shouldn't there be a four, five, six, seven-year time frame on these things?
1: Yeah, and that's not the world we live in any longer, and you can see that. And especially if that's not the world you're going to live in with with IU basketball. I think most people will probably suggest the first couple of years for Mike Woodson, was that opportunity to grow and evolve and to really start showing signs to becoming something. Now, granted, you lose a guy like Trey Jackson Davis and what he represented to this team um, on the floor numbers-wise, production-wise. He always counted on 25, you know, 12, something like that every night. That's major. But the team, the players, just aren't getting better to what people thought. And I think now that recognition is happening. We just don't live in a world, Tony, any longer – where you're going to be allowed much leverage to make something, right? I'll give you a great example. You'll probably talk about this later, but you watch who follows up Nick Saban in Alabama. This dude's going to get about five minutes, right, to say, all right, you didn't do what? All right, you won 10 games. You won 11 games, but you didn't go to, you know, the playoff or you're not playing for a national title. Good luck with that. The same holds true with whomever's going to follow, you know, Bill Belichick, and, and those are, you know, the grand, Examples that I give right here. But, you know, at a college basketball level, I use also one of those examples. And I just think when you have a game like they did at Rutgers and, you know, you have a season in which is very disjointed so far, they really have no good wins whatsoever. Um, and you're fighting for that. Um, people become uh, very disgruntled about the effort. It's certainly the other night it was bad. And then Xavier Johnson again got tossed out of the game for, you know, hitting a, uh, the opposite player below the belt. And, you know, that didn't sit right with a lot of folks. And it's just more of an expectation on a program like that. And certainly in the world of sports in general, there's just more of a get it done and get it done right now in our moment because we're not going to wait expectation. And most of the time, if you don't follow, you're not going to get a seven years like Chris Ballard. You're not going to go – you know, you're not going to go from The Godfather to The Godfather 2 in the sequel in this case, right, to see if he can do better in the sequel. That is either few and far between or you just don't see it whatsoever in, in what Jim Ursay handed back over the keys to Chris Ballard last year to go into year number seven and to reboot his career. We just are not allowed to wait any longer, and that's just basically across the landscape sports how it is.
0: Talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana. Never mind uh, the nation. You brought up uh, the next subject. Bill Belichick out with the Patriots. Nick Saban retiring from Alabama. One of the most surprising moves Pete Carroll out as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know if they're actually going to make a front uh, office move there or not. Shane Steichen, of course, is safe. But Mike Vrabel is out at Tennessee. All of a sudden, there are coaches with history that a couple teams would be very happy to get. Um, the Belichick out in New England, is it because eventually a change had to be made and no time is a good time, so you might as well do it after a 3-14 and 14 season? Or well, I think it was 3-14. Or it was, was this, you know what? You were never anything without Tom Brady. We see it now. Bye.
1: No, I think it's more of what you said prior. I mean, it's just, all right, this didn't get any better. Um, It is time for a a full reboot, full reload right here. And uh, we'll just go ahead and, and cut what has been obviously one of the greatest, if not the greatest, coaching tenures of all time regarding success. And we'll go in a different direction, whether that's, you know, an assistant coach like Gerard Mayo or Mike Rabel, as you mentioned who played there and obviously was an assistant there. If he gets that gig in New England to carry all that type of Belichickian tradition, Bill Belichick's not going to be done. He's 15 away, Tony, I believe, from Don Shula's all-time record of wins in the NFL. So I, I think that he's going to end up going someplace else and uh, getting another gig and trying to track that record down, certainly whether that is in Atlanta. I know a lot of people have mentioned Atlanta. Um, maybe as a possibility, Arthur Blank, their owner, it um, certainly would probably embrace the old school guy. They have a good defense called Saw that, uh, a decent defense, but could be made into a good defense. They don't have a quarterback. That's something that would be an issue. But you know, maybe to Atlanta, but to track down that Shula record is certainly something he would he would want to do. But you mentioned Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. That's probably something that John Snyder, the general manager, felt has run its course up there too. It, it really has been an interesting 24 hours considering Nick Saban and Alabama retired. Bill Belichick is now out of New England, and Pete Carroll is out. I think he's going to hang around as some sort of of consultant. Those are three, two out of three, certainly, of the biggest coaches we have seen in the sport all time. And then another incredible major success with that on each level, and Pete Carroll. It's been a a pretty significant 24 hours with that in mind in the world of coaching and certainly in the world of football.
0: So you see Bill Belichick landing with a, another team. Do you see yes. the team that he lands with?
1: Yeah. Atlanta is the one that I thought. I thought maybe Atlanta Falcons. I know everybody else was mentioning that too. Uh, that could be a possibility. I think people have mentioned the chargers because you go there and you have a ready-made quarterback I think in this world right now, Tony, if you're looking at what is a really good spot, the chargers are probably at the top of the list. They have a lot of those type of skill position covered players, a quarterback and wide receiver, you know, guys coming off the end, that can get after the quarterback guys in the secondary. They just haven't been able to put any consistency behind that. I think the only issue with the chargers is the fact that nobody in Southern California gives a crap about them. So that may be the biggest issue when you have a home game, basically the, the, SoFi Stadium's packed with the other team's fan base right there because the game's in Southern California. But 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 that's going to be a major option just because of the talent there. Atlanta, the Chargers, somebody like that. But Belichick's going to go on because he wants that Shuler
0: record. Winning solves a lot of problems. If he can bring winning to the Chargers, there will be uh, uh, San Diego Charger fans, and they should still be the San Diego Chargers. But the (laughs) the, 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 the Nick Saban retirement, we're already seeing players decommit. From Alabama. Oh, sorry. If Sabin's not there, I got to rethink everything. Was this Saban saying, "You know what? I'm just tired. I've done everything there is to do. You know, uh, I, uh, that's a I had a bad play call on on the goal line that I never would have done in my younger years. I'm out." Or is this Nick Saban saying, with what's happening in the Big Ten, it's not going to be as easy to win championships anymore, and if I'm not going to win championships, it's not fun. I don't need to be here. I might as well go out now before I get fired in two years.
1: Hey, Tony, I think you're on a you're on a good path here. here here's my thought. The guys won six national titles. Um, I think that tied Bear Bryant um, for that. Bear Bryant, the legendary coach at Alabama, so he's basically done all you need to do probably the direction that you go is is down from there if you want to look at it that way he's also in his 70s now you can look at it that way and The point that you made that I think is also major in this world of coaching, because I'm bringing up a great example, Jay Wright at Villanova won a couple of national championships. He's still very young or young enough to still be involved. He likes doing TV. He no longer wants to be involved. The landscape of college athletics has changed such, Tony, that you see a lot of coaches, especially those that get to that high point and then, Just don't want to mess with it anymore. You don't want to have to screw with NIL or mess with the transfer portal or, you know, each and every year re-recruit your own guys. Whether you're at Alabama or Villanova or heck, what you have to deal with at Indiana State. I mean, it is just more of a slog for a coach than it ever has been. And here's the other thing. And we'll follow this, and we'll see. We'll double back together one of these days and see if I'm accurate. I think the the era of these. Incredible coaches that get paid, the high dollar is going to shrink. And you're going to say, well, why is that? Because the transfer portal, as it stands right now, that's where you want to concentrate. And you want to pay for your players. You want to get the best in with that NIL money. Thus, to me, that will take away how much money you ultimately need to pay a coach of that ilk, a coach of that level. And I think that this may be a path in which we're going down In college athletics, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in a year or two years, but ultimately it is going to be the players getting paid and what you can bring in and what you can do over, you know, paying $20 million per for a coach to coach them up. And I think on the other hand, you see these coaches probably getting sick of it, getting tired of it, kind of seeing the writing on the wall. And if you've done enough already, why screw with it moving
0: forward? That is JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana. Always appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I have been told by all the experts that the economy is doing great and Biden deserves credit. I have been told. By all the experts, that you're crazy if you don't understand how good this economy is. And by the experts, I mean Joe Scarborough on MSNBC and Paul Krugman, the Nobel laureate in economics who once told me that the internet would have no greater effect on the world than the fax machine. But when I see consumer prices up, doesn't that mean that inflation is sticking around? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins me, economist at the University of of indianapolis here's what we've got uh from the bureau of labor statistics cpi up for all items this is how they say it that's how they they wrote uh the the headline there the all items index rose 3.4 percent for the 12 months ending in december that's what we've got talk to me about what this means to you
2: well the trend that we've been seeing the last couple of months is now gone it disappeared you know, we were talking, we said very clearly there was a trend. We were waiting for it to see if it was all in the right direction. It wasn't a good direction. Inflation was falling. Kudos. Fantastic. That's all out the window. There is no trend now. We had a significant uptick in inflation, a point three for everything and point three excluding food and energy. That's I uh, multiply that by 12, that's a high number. We're almost at 4% again. This is not a good sign for the country right now.
0: First, uh, you always uh, do that. You say, don't look at just the number, multiply it by 12, and that's the number that you you work with, which would mean that inflation is at 3.6%. The target rate for the Fed is 2%. You heard them at their meeting in December, no rate increases for the month of December, and... We're eyeing three rate decreases in twenty twenty four. They still going to hold on to that mathematics?
2: No, no, that's that's got that has to be out the window. If they're serious about inflation, that has to be done. They might be even looking at a rate increase now. Um, I'm not saying they will, but they need to they're probably going to look at it because if this inflation becomes a trend, if this is not just a blip, then we have not, we're not out of the woods. This is another round of the boxing match. Biden's spending is winning the day this month and we have some inflation. This is not a good sign. Um, we've seen a couple of bad signs in fact in the last uh, week and a, week and a half so this is this makes me nervous
0: let's get into some of those signs really quick but let me just bring this to you from the bls website bureau of labor statistics bls.gov the all items index rose 3.4% for the 12 months ending december a larger increase than the 3.1% increase for the 12 months ending november that was those decreases we were seeing until this The all items less food and energy index rose 3.9% over the last 12 months after rising 4% over the 12 months ending November. If I take a look at what the BLS is saying right there, aren't they trying to tell me that, hey, things may be on the overall a little bit worse, but less food and energy, which are always wacky and unpredictable, it's a little bit better. Isn't that the, the message they're trying to sell?
2: Well, I don't know what message they're trying to sell, but that's wrong. 3.9 and with a target of 2, that's double. It's not hard to figure out. 2 plus 2 is 4. 3.9 is close to 4. So I don't know what the, 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 they're trying to sell. I don't know what the marketing spin is, but inflation is double the target. Double. I don't think it takes much more explaining than that.
0: Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, Now let's get into some reasons why. You know, we often discuss, as as you have discussed and led those conversations on Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve versus the spending of the Biden administration. But you had a very uh, intransigent, if not incompetent, Republican Party leading the House of Representatives. There was not uh, as much spending going on. Lots of talk about how um, few pieces of legislation got through, which I consider to be a, a massive success. Uh, but if if that is the case, where did the spending come from, or or maybe said differently, what do you believe is the cause for this rise in inflation after a, a two months of trend downward?
2: It's pretty easy to explain. We talk about it many times that there's two parts: there's the amount of cash and the amount of stuff, and the Republicans did not control the spending like they promised. The agreement in principle, which we are all aware of is not a cut in spending. It is still a significant increase in spending. So one, cash is up. Two, we've seen this, that all the estimates are that growth is going to be down this next quarter than this next year. Now, not down as a negative, but down as in slow. We see it in global energy prices. So the global recession that we're seeing in China and Germany continues. Our forecast is slowing growth. So stuff is not growing cash is growing. It's a very simple formula. Nothing has changed other than the spending isn't ridiculously out of control. It's slightly out of control.
0: Uh, I'm going to share this with you right here. Uh, This is Rick Santilli over at CNBC discussing a unique way to look at these numbers and how it actually affects you, me, and we in Midwest Main Street
1: if you take core cpi the actual index which is seasonally adjusted the read there is 313.216 that probably doesn't mean anything to you it means something to me that's the highest it's ever been it's ever been now remember bureau of labor statistics brings out this number go to their website when did COVID start march of 2020 okay this is a decent number that means NOV was the most updated we had prior to about two minutes ago. If you go to their website and you look at their CPI inflation
0: calculator and you put in uh, Feb of 2020, what you'll find is it takes $1.19 of NOV $23 to buy what bought
1: a dollar pre-COVID.
0: It's an interesting look at the numbers there. He is saying that if you take a look at a CPI, Super Price Index Inflation calendar, uh, Calculator, you put in February of 2020, what you will find is that it takes a dollar nineteen today, today, November 2023 numbers is what he said, to buy what it cost you for just a dollar pre-COVID. That would you agree with that kind of calculation?
2: I think Rick is a genius. I like when he does these kind of analyses. I like when he puts it in that kind of common lingo. But I go a step further and say the government just gave you a 19% pay cut. That's the, that's the way to look at it. Think of it as Joe Biden gave everybody in the company, country a 19% pay cut. That's another way to look at it. I like how Rick looks at things as well.
0: So, so now that we see this and we see this uptick in inflation and recognize that the Fed is further away from its, its 2% goal two things that have got to be asked. What moves do they make? And it seems that the only one they can do, engage in, is a raising of interest rates. And number two, what would you think in an election year a president does to make things look better for himself? You and I both know in reality that sometimes things get done, moves get made, thoughts get put out. Uh, messages get put out to try and move things in one's favor. Has there been any indication to you or other economists that Joe Biden and his team are thinking in this way?
2: You know what? That's a tough question. I I don't know what he's thinking. Yes, he wants to do things to help the situation, to make himself look good, but everything he does makes it worse. I tell you where I'm more concerned, and that is with the Fed. Is the Fed going to be political? I think the Fed is doing the wrong thing at the moment by not increasing interest rates. They're concerned about banking, and I think they don't want to do anything in an election year. I believe the Fed is actually looking to help the president. I sincerely believe that. I know he's appointed by by Trump, but I think Jerome Powell is not doing anything at the moment because he wants to help Biden. He doesn't want to upset the apple cart at the moment. I'm not saying he's a Biden supporter. But he doesn't want to upset the apple cart. And he knows a rate increase could cause turmoil in the banking sector. And he wants to not do that, even though that's what he knows he should do. The, uh,
0: the, 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 the counter to that, the, the clear conversation is he's not going to have a choice. The, the, the interest, not the interest rate, uh, the inflation went up. He has to now make a move. It's not a question of whether or not he wants to. If he doesn't, isn't that the political move?
2: You know, that's, that's more of an answer or a question for you. I, I don't know the political move. Um, I don't know what that means. If he doesn't make a move, we will have inflation. I mean, it, well, I don't know. This may be one month. Let's wait until next month to see if this is truly a trend or not. But if it is a trend, he's going to be between a hot, rock and a hard place. I don't know what he's going to do because he has no, no easy out for the situation if it continues in this direction.
0: Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, um, is is there been conversation about what caused uh, this increase to happen if we were trending down for uh, a couple of months and in certain places here, certain places there, hoping that that would uh, continue? Certainly we've seen gas prices uh, go down for sure. Did something – we talk about it being spending, but was there something specific? Did something happen on a world stage – to engage more levels of cost or more cost increases?
2: No, no, there, nothing global. This, this was the global recession, which we see, the slowdown in the economy, so less stuff, and then continued federal government spending. I mean, it's, it's really a simple formula. There's not much complicated stuff happening, um, and those two things continue to occur, and those two things continue to cause the inflation.
0: Let me move you off this and into uh, Bitcoin, you have got the uh, exchange uh, funds that have been approved now by the SEC, and trading is starting. This is is cryptocurrency, to which I have no issue with whatsoever. I am totally fine with uh, de- decentralized currencies. I, I I'm I'm a fan. Um, but you you take a look at at these funds, and this is creating an ability. For lots of people to get in to the world of, of crypto. Crypto went over 48,000, or I should say Bitcoin went over 48,000 uh, today. Ethereum over 2,700, and those numbers could climb. And, and this is a, a cryptocurrency And Bitcoin that was at 13,000 a year ago. It has been a steady climb, and people think this is going to go to 100,000 or, or more. You a fan of these things?
2: Tony. I love these things for gambling purposes. I hate these things for investing. They are not investing. They should not be, like you said, open to everybody to put in their investment account. If you want to do it, fine. I have no problem. Laissez-faire. Put your money in it. Put your money in it for a basketball game. But this is not a vehicle for investing. I will ask you, Tony, and you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to do it. If you own Bitcoin, what do you own?
0: I will tell you that I own fractional bits uh, of Bitcoin, and what I would tell you I own is an opportunity. What I own is people having faith in an
2: idea. That's what I own. I would say that freely. Yes, and I would say you're right. You own an idea. You don't own assets. You don't own income stream. You don't have personnel. You don't sell product. If you go bankrupt and you go to a court and you say liquidate, there's nothing to liquidate. Bitcoin is nothing. It is an idea and it's okay if you want to speculate on an idea, but that's called gambling. That's not called investing. And grandma and grandpa and a person who's unknowledgeable, and isn't wealthy should not be allowed to put their money into this unless it's through a gambling vehicle. It's not investing. And the brokerage firms that want to put this in investing are just looking to steal money from you. They want deal flow. They're looking for transactions. They want their commission. They don't care about you and your safety. And if grandma and grandpa put their money in an ETF and they lose it all, they have nothing to go back on. This scares me. This is a disaster waiting to happen. It should not be in investing. It should be in the gambling arena. Just,
0: as, just as, a, as a bit of pushback,
2: can't that be said about any investment? No. No. If you own Eli Lilly, and Eli Lilly went bankrupt, you could go and sell the buildings, you could sell the equipment, you can liquidate the assets, and you would get something from it. These companies produce sales. They have staff. They have per- value. They create intangible. You could physically look at the products they create. There is nothing behind Bitcoin. There's, there's nothing there other than your belief that it's valuable.
0: All I know is I'm going to be back to get some emails because of you. You Good. are going to fill my inbox today, sir. Have
2: fun reading, Tony. Yeah.
0: Just letting you know how that's going to go. Dr. <laughs> Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Uh, so i'm going to give the debate to desantis in a very clear and obvious way but just as clear and as obvious did it matter i mean did the debate matter on a macro level this is where people like to yell at me and i i have to just for the record i don't care about that tony katz Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Uh, You want to disagree with me? Fine. You think I'm wrong? That's also fine. It's fine. But when you are so a believer in your candidate that you believe that anything else that gets said cannot have any credence, you, you do sound crazy. And you can find this in lots of people, but Trump supporters have a hard time recognizing that they sound crazy. This was Donald Trump in his town hall last night on Fox
1: all. Florida did shut down. Run to sanctus, shut down. Or, as he's known, run to sanctimonious. He, he shut his state down very violently, actually, and shut the highways down, the roads down. But we had, uh, I'm a federalist in a sense, because that's the federalist way. No, I didn't actually have a shutdown, despite the fact that some people wanted to, and some people didn't want to. But we had some great governors the governors that did the best job were Republican governors and they were the ones that didn't shut down.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Love you. Appreciate it. So, but, but a lot of people say, you know, that you listened too much to Dr. Fauci. Yeah. You were president at the time, could have perhaps influenced keeping things more open. And of course, Ron DeSantis would would definitely argue with your uh, characterization of how he handled it. But if you go back and look at the records, you will see that the biggest fan of Dr. Fauci was Ron
0: DeSantis. He This is madness. And Trump fans won't accept the fact. He's on uh, Twitter back in the day saying, governors don't make this call. I make this call in conjunction with the governors. And most importantly, of course, he made Fauci front and center. And it can't be denied. And everybody discussed how Florida was open. If it was shut down at first, of course, all these states were, and they were wrong. I won't disagree with that. But the Trump supporter won't accept any of that. You're just terrible. You're just never Trump. You're not loyal and nonsense. Nonsense stuff. And just like I won't pay attention to people who tell me, oh, Ron DeSantis has run a great campaign. You're being silly when you say he ran a bad campaign. He's run a bad campaign. I see the polling numbers. You would think it would show better. And I've got the philosophy that he can win Iowa. So the question before us is, if DeSantis beats Haley in a debate, which he did, by the way, it's obvious to any rational mind, does it matter? That's what we're about to find out. That's what we need to see. I will dig into more of that tomorrow, everyone. I'm Tony Katz. Take care.